0: Does everybody know what time it is? It's time for an interview with John Pasquin, original director of Home Improvement. (gasps) That's right, it's grunt work. kind of introduction to do for this. I'm just going to start talking. It's a special interview episode of Grunt Work. It is. all-in-one
1: podcast about the TV series Home Improvement, in case you forgot. And we finally live up to our all-inclusive namesake uh, in that we we were able to finally sit down with uh, one of the show's I would say uh, he's he's not listed as a creator but certainly responsible for the look and feel and dynamic of the show. Yeah, one of the architects of the show
0: perhaps <laughs> is what you want to what you want to call it. There you uh, go. Yeah, it, this was a great interview with John Pasquin. He was kind enough to take some time out of his day to sit down with us and just kind of open up about what the process of home improvement was like, how he got to be where he was uh when home improvement was getting started and mm-hmm. then how he kind of shaped what the show was and and all of the influence that he had from uh, from the look of the Taylor House to the presence of Sean Zilla in various <laughs> places, uh, to all kinds of other wonderful
1: insights. Yeah, he talked a little bit about uh getting started on Roseanne and working on the Roseanne reboot, a little bit of Last Man Standing, uh the Santa Claus. Uh well, we, we talked we about a gamut. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's a, it is a Tim Allen bonanza. <laughs> uh better than a Tim Allen banana. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, if, if you need if you need some potassium or you want to get a nice sugar rush going for a nice, you know, run yeah. or something. I'm
1: sorry. That also would have been called the Binford banana. Yeah, so a banana. A, okay.
0: <laughs> okay. Hey, you know what, guys? We're not going to do the interview. We're just going to do this. We're going to do Tim Allen banana jokes all day.
1: Uh, without further ado, we want to present you um, this digital interview that we did with uh, John Pasquin. So there might be some uh, audio hiccups here and there. Uh, but we, we've tried to, uh, well, by we, I mean Truman has worked his, uh, editing magic and has, uh, made it listenable. Well, yes, and, and by that same token, Landon
0: worked his interview magic doing <laughs> much of the questioning, so although it sounds like I'm not there, I'm definitely there staring in, in rapt joy at the face of John Pasquin you... as he
1: kindly answers our questions. <laughs> we will probably edit this part out of the interview, but at one point our FaceTime froze. Yes. And, uh... All he could see was our frozen faces on the screen, and I like to think that uh, it's a little karmic in that Brad is always staring into our souls at the beginning of each episode, (laughs) that we're staring into his soul (laughs) during the interview. And we each stole one of his secrets, and if you donate to our podcast, we'll tell you what they are. (laughs) Uh, So without further ado, here is uh, this interview with uh, producer and director John Pasquin. Enjoy. Fantastic. Thank you so much uh, for agreeing to do this. Yeah, thank you.
2: You bet. Who am I talking to?
1: I'm Landon. Uh, we've okay. been corresponding. Yeah, yeah. and this is Truman. Truman, yes. yeah.
0: Hey, Mr. Passman, right, how's
2: okay. it going? Truman needs to slide to his left
0: so I can see his face a little bit. Oh, yeah. Well, trust me, you're not missing much. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we just wanted to um, congratulate you on uh, the success of Roseanne. That's uh, huge, and it was another big uh, TV show of mine growing up, so... Yeah, uh, who knew, you know? Yeah, <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> right? Uh Kind of, uh,
2: I think it surprised everybody. I think NBC yeah. uh, thought that it was going to be maybe nine million people mm-hmm. watch, and that and that was a sort of uh, they were hoping for that. Yeah. yeah, so that was a big surprise for them because now it's up to like twenty-two million.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that that might lead into other reboots and continuations of the the series that you know Last Man Standing getting canceled early. You know, early.
2: there is an ongoing uh, online presence about trying to. Uh, get last man back. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I do know that, um, I talked to Tim over Christmas and he actually brought it up. Uh, and he also brought up home improvement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the possible yeah, I know he had so done, so done a, a, a... He just doesn't want to stay home, you know? He'd <laughs> <like>, he <laughs> <I can> just <laughs> like to have a job that yeah. he can go to and uh, not have to hang around the house. So. I can
1: appreciate that because I, I work from home cool. as a web developer and like just getting out of the house <laughs> is, uh, you know, yeah. paramount. Um, so let's just jump right into the, the questions if you don't mind. Um, no problem. You uh, you worked with uh, Matt Williams, Carmen Finestra, and uh, David McFadson on Roseanne previous to Home Improvement. Um, was that kind of how you came, uh, to that project?
2: Well, that's not entirely accurate. Oh, okay. The, the, so, but here's the dirt. Okay. (laughs) Um, so 12 episodes into the first season of Roseanne, as you may or may not know, Roseanne decided to fire everyone.
1: Oh yeah. Um, Okay. She was, uh,
2: she was in disagreement with Matt over how the character was being represented or should be represented. Um, Depends on who you talk to, mm-hmm. and uh, at that time the the show obviously was very successful, and so she had power. Yeah. Um, so she fired Matt. She fired Carmen. David stayed. Episode thirteen, they brought in a new producer, a guy named Jeff Harris, mm-hmm. who was an old friend of mine, and he called me. I had done a pilot with him, and a couple of other things. And he called me and he said, look at I just am taking over Roseanne. I have no crew. I have no writers. Would you come and do the first episode, episode 13? Mm-hmm. Um, would you come and do that episode to give me a week so that I can sort of try to get um, my feet on the ground and, and get a staff sort of prepared? And I said, sure. So I came and did, um, one show, the third, the 13th episode, and then I left. Okay. David was still there. Uh, David stayed, I think, for the first season and then he left. So then the second season, Jeff stayed there and he, um, called me and said, would you come back for the season? And I said, no, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, we could talk about, directing comics who are not actors and how you sort of do that and what the pitfalls are. But I said, I don't know. He said, I'll give you 1% of my
1: royalties. Oh, wow. That's a hard bargain to turn down.
2: So I said, and I didn't at that time, I sort of knew what that meant, but I I didn't really really know (laughs) what it meant. But frankly, I have been getting residuals from Roseanne since that time. Wow, whoa. 20 years ago. Wow. Uh, 25 yeah. years ago. Um, so I came and I did the whole, the entire second season. Yes. Right. Um, I actually had a good time, um, good. Uh, uh, until the end. I mean, it gets, as you probably could understand after you do 23 or 24 of them in a row, everybody's fried. No, yeah. nothing is, nothing is funny. Right. Uh, and you just uh, you want to stop which is what I did and they wanted me to come back I said you know what I've done it you guys are set to go mm-hmm. you have a template here um, I want to do pilots so I you know and that was also I, I was just burnt out frankly. yeah and uh, I, so I said you know I'd go with God and uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll do well yeah and they, they, did. And they <laughs> did they did know, it's a right? pretty grueling so, uh, schedule so now, yeah that's um, that's the background
1: of that. Gotcha. So then, uh, having worked with Mcfadden so how was it that you ended up on Home Improvement?
2: All right. So Home Improvement. Um, there was a producer on Roseanne who was producing for Matt, mm-hmm. a woman named Gail uh, Maffaele. Yeah. Um, and terrific woman. And I ran into her. At Gilson's. Oh, okay. Uh, And she said, you know, Matt is uh, developing, uh, wants to develop a show with his comic. And I had previously seen Men Are Pigs. I Mm -hmm. forget if it was Showtime or HBO or one of those. So I watched that, totally irrespective of of their involvement to it. And and I saw this guy who was hysterically funny, moderately Mm -hmm. (laughs) good-looking, men and women both Got him. Yeah. And I thought this this guy should be on TV. And that was the guy that Gail said, look, Matt is trying to do the show, and um, he'd like to talk to you about it. And so I talked to him, and he said, I'm going to do this show. It's a combination of Tim Allen and Iron John, which was a Mm -hmm. very popular book at the time. Yeah,
1: Robert Bly, we've Um, read that, yeah. um,
2: And this guy, we're going to try. and he's Matt did what he had been doing before he took a comic he took their sort of material and he crafted a show around that yeah there was no script so <laughs> i said you know what i don't care this is such a good idea he is such a you know a viable tv personality that i think it'll probably be okay mm-hmm. and they're funny guys so um I committed without ever seeing a script.
1: Wow. That says a lot.
2: Well, yeah, but I knew Matt and he's he's a really good guy. And Mm -hmm. I I continue to know him. And I actually, I told him they were doing a Roseanne reboot. He said, well, I should probably call my lawyer. (laughs) 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 He, he had no idea that that was even. in the Oh, wow. Wow. So So, anyway, that's how, um, that's how that happened. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then we went and he did a, they did a a really funny script and we rehearsed and, Mm -hmm. um, the rest is
1: history. And, and the Home Improvement is basically, it was the first time that you came on as a producer to a show.
2: Yeah, I mean, producer is a word that basically means many things to many <laughs> sure, people. <yeah>. Sure, <laughs> uh, its It can be sort of like a scam to or a sop to an agent mm-hmm. of, the, of the talent or friends of the show or whatever. Yeah, I really wanted it, my experience, as you probably know, was – coming out of the theater yeah. in New York. And I basically wanted the producer credit because I wanted more control over, well, particularly in a pilot. Pilot is basically like doing a play. You mm-hmm. pick the designers, you create the world, you you know do all of those things that involve creative input. And I wanted to be able to have control over the lighting designer and the set designer and the costume designer. And all of the all of the elements that would go into making a show, and not necessarily control, but I wanted input. Right. You know, I wanted to be able to be cons- you know consulted, and and I wanted to, you know, uh, vet the people who were coming and and whatever. You're frozen, by the way. Now. Oh, oh geez.
0: sorry. Are, can you
1: hear us all right?
0: <laughs> oh, now and now you're frozen. Look on your face. Oh, there we go.
1: did we did we unfreeze? Nope. Still oh, frozen. God. Still frozen. Oh no.
0: We're just sitting super it's still. It's
2: really fright. It's frightening, actually. <laughs> oh no.
1: So sorry.
0: <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I just, mean, I can
2: talk to a frozen image. Okay, yeah, yeah, as long as you so. can hear us.
0: Yeah, just don't look in our eyes. That's all. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, that's, well, that's a little creepy. One of you is not looking at me at all, so that's Oh, jeez. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> We're both but looking true, at you now, you we are, You are, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so talking about like, uh, having input on the set and stuff... Uh, yeah. Well, well, yeah. I mean, how uh,
0: like how did that input kind of influence what the Taylor's house looked like? I mean, did you uh, were you kind of adamant about where certain things were or what look the house had?
2: You know, I wanted after working on the, in the theater in New York, I did soaps for a while. Mm-hmm. And I did it basically because I didn't go to film school. I was I went to I got my master's in directing at Carnegie Mellon, and then I stayed and taught acting and directing at Carnegie Mellon. So I was really out of the theater. So I didn't know anything about um, sort of the two dimensional world, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I sort of glommed onto early in my career was there is foreground, mid ground, and background. All of those grounds. As you look at something, either on the stage or um, in the movies or on television, all of those things have information in them, and I wanted to be able to control the information in the foreground, the midground, and the background. Well, you have to have a background, right? You have to have depth in the set. So when I worked with the designer on the on the plan, it was really important to come up with a way that you could look. Th- through the set and that there could be not only what was happening in the foreground was important, but you could have background activity as well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there would be Easter eggs or things in the background um, that, you know, that (laughs) if you saw them fine. And if you didn't see them, it was not going to really impact how you enjoyed the show. It was really mostly for us. Yeah. So that was, that was sort of one thing that we were very conscious of and also traditionally, Going back to, you know, I love Lucy and those shows, they're basically foreground medium. It's, you know, they came in, they stood around the couch, they sat on the couch, um, they talked and then they left. And it was basically a very horizontal thing as opposed to a vertical thing or a depth thing. So we wanted, we wanted to try to, um, inhabit the entire, uh, set. Sure. Yeah. From the background to the foreground. So that's why that front door was way upstage, which was very, very untraditional. Usually the doors. On the left, camera left or camera right, but we—it was there way, way, way upstage. So you had to go all the way up to there, and then we had to figure out how to shoot up there, which was also a challenge. And that's one of the reasons we used the jib.
1: Yeah, so that was uh, that kind of the set itself dictated uh, that you guys so, use five cameras. And
2: also, I mean, in terms of how you shot it, because um, Earl Heinemann's character Wilson—you mm-hmm. never saw him, and he had you know, weekly scenes with Tim where he would stand behind the fence and Tim would stand in front of the fence. Well, there's no way to shoot Tim unless you get above Earl and shoot down to him. So the camera, and you'd have to get a camera into that set and then it would be seen by the other camera. So we used that jib initially to allow us to be able to see that background and see... Uh, a shot tight over Earl to Tim when they were talking and they would talk all the time. Yeah. And then as the show developed, that camera became an, an integral part of how we shot the show because you could you could really get up into the set with that arm, that jib arm, and we could play scenes way upstage um, with that arm that we would not ordinarily
1: not have access to. Right, absolutely. And you had mentioned something about <laughs> inserting Easter eggs into the background and I, I have to yeah, take... That- a second to ask about this Godzilla figure. Uh, is there a story behind this guy?
2: You know, I, you, I read your in your notes, you referred to that. I I have a vague memory of um, what that was. It was like a little plastic figure that reappeared in various places around the set. Is that what you're talking
1: about? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it appears in the newest episodes of Roseanne, too, which is why I figured it, it was like a recurring joke between you guys.
2: Yeah, it's just, I mean... Sometimes actors will just bring crap onto the set, <laughs> okay. and and, um, and I'm sure that that was I don't know you know how that uh, how that began, but mm-hmm. it's uh, cameramen sometimes will hide stuff on the set. Okay. That they like people will bring pictures of themselves, you know, in the background. Um, so I think that's what that was. It was not <laughs> I was not party to it. Gotcha. Um, you know, sometimes. You don't know as a director yeah. Uh, yeah. what they're doing because they're sneaking. It's uh, just
1: interesting because it's presented to Mark as a gift uh, in the first Christmas episode. And well, then, and you
2: know more about it than I do. Yeah. You know, already we're, we're, I we're, did that episode.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. We're really deep in it right now and we're knee deep in the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's take a second to talk about uh, the special effects because I feel like on Home Improvement, uh, you guys utilize practical on-set effects uh, at least, if not for the first time, uh, but at least to the extent, at, you know, the onset explosions and stuff. What was that like?
2: Yeah. Well, it was, you know, it's tricky. It, it was, um, I mean, the first one was in the pilot where the dishwasher blew up mm-hmm. um, or there were sparks and whatever. And also it's just, that's, that's the sort of, it's sort of integral to how Matt saw the character. Right. That he was a guy who was, mildly out of control and not sort of on top of the ramifications or the consequences of what he was actually doing. And that's where a lot of the humor was as well. And also it was uh, was not really a time for special effects so much, in, in digital special effects, right. it not even a time for digital. <laughs> um, so it was practical and it was actually picking the right prop guy was really crucial. Uh, we, our prop guy was Warren and uh, he was wonderful. Just arranging those... Um, those uh, gags, basically. yeah,
1: right. It seems um, like he could handle anything you threw at him.
2: Basically, he could, and that, and that, you know, they took that as a challenge. <laughs> they, they said, "Okay, well, try this. If <laughs> you can do this." And Tim actually, you know, he embraced it. I mean, yeah. that, it was something that he really loved. And when he got that laugh, when he stuck his finger in the washer in the pile <laughs> and the pilot started jumping around, and then Taryn started jumping around <laughs> yeah. with him. I think that it dawned on him that this was really something that uh, he could mine for, for his own humor. And it was also that the Tool Time was uh, basically a set for that.
1: Yeah, it absolutely.
2: It was all practical stuff um, that, that they would rig and then he would do it. Um, and it was funny.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to go back uh, for a second about um, your, your theater experience and working with uh, comedians – that you said, uh, you know, might not have experience in acting coming to their projects for the first time. What, you know, I, I, there's a story about how Mickey Rourke referred to Darren Aronofsky as his, like, coach uh, through The Wrestler. Um, was that kind of your experience with Tim Allen uh, in this first season of Home Improvement? Well,
2: um, yeah, no. I mean, he, Tim had um, certainly minimal experience in terms of dealing with a camera. He had a multitude of experiences performing in front of a live audience. Mm-hmm. So as a comic, um, he knew how to play an audience, and so that was already in place. And the great thing about Tim, not just then, but also through the years that we've worked together, is that he listens. And that, if you know anything about acting, that's... yeah. The beginning of how you start to work with someone who doesn't know about acting is you have to be available to what's coming your way rather than um, thinking about your next joke. And he was very good at that and he could, you know, I think if you're, if you're performing in front of an audience and I worked with Bill Maher for a while and, and watching Bill not only do that but also do stand-up, they're alive to the audience. People heckle them. So, sure. you know, you've got to be facile about go, you know, leaving your scripted stuff and dealing with something and then coming back to your scripted stuff. So you have to listen. And that's what Tim was able to do. And also he was not at all arrogant about admitting that he didn't know what the hell he was doing. Mm. Wow. Um, and also, um, if you notice who we put around him... yeah. Pat Richardson and Earl Hyman and Dick Carn. These are all very experienced theatrical actors. That's how they all started. Right. Um, and they were. we were really careful about trying, apart from the kids, about trying to surround him. This is true on, on the Santa Claus and other movies that we've done. Trying to surround him with people who would not be thrown by his attitude and would be able to, to ground him. In a little bit of the way that Judd Hirsch did on Taxi for all those, sat on him. He was the ground. Um, mm-hmm. in, in this case, in our case, all of the other people were the ground and Tim was the sort of uh, loose cannon. Mm-hmm. But it was, um, it was intentional in that regard to sort of surround him with people who, um, were good actors, um, and who had a lot of acting experience as well. And he sopped it up. I mean, he sponged it up. He was, um, thankful for it and 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 felt comfortable with it um, yeah. and the whole thing about trying to work with comedians who are not necessarily actors is how do you make them comfortable in this new environment and what do you say and how do you deal with that so that they can then simply be free to um do what they do best which is make people laugh yeah
1: exactly <laughs>
0: Well, uh, and so speaking of the the cast around Tim, uh, you know, so we've read that that within like what a week or two before shooting of the pilot, so much of the cast changed. Like Patricia Richardson and and uh, Richard Karn wasn't even supposed to be really on the show in a permanent role until it was kind of already going. How did those changes affect the production going into that pilot? Seems well, like...
2: your your information is a little wrong. Uh-oh. Okay. Richard Karn came on uh, at the beginning of the show although there was we we had offered to uh, a, the role to a guy named Stephen Tobolowski
1: mm-hmm.
2: also a very funny actor who you know I'm sure is kicking himself right now that he didn't <laughs> take that job. Yeah. Um he's been well known. but he had a film he had a film career and you know he was doing other things and he passed on it and Richard came in at you know kind of the 11th hour but certainly before we started working mm-hmm. and we cast um, Francis Fisher right. was the original uh, Jill, and it wasn't a week or two before it was like three days before the first preview. Oh wow! That we replaced her, and it was um, and Francis is also a wonderful actor. Yes, but there was um, the chemistry just wasn't didn't work, didn't seem to work, and and so we were you know well into our rehearsal process, and then. Um, we made a decision that we had to find someone else to do this part. Mm-hmm. And Pat had just had a baby, you know, not right. just, but like very recently and hadn't been working and, but also had uh, certainly a half hour career behind her. And she came on, I think three days before, two or three days before we were actually going to do the show for the first time in front of an audience. Um, just and it. we just put her in.
1: Yeah.
2: And She's so good. Great- the great thing about Pat is that she just um, didn't take any of Tim's shit. <laughs> <laughs> she it's just, our favorite thing I too. mean, she was able to uh, sort of give it right back to him in, in a way that you didn't hate her for it. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of what we were looking for was that we wanted someone to create a character where you – you were absolutely confident that these people loved each other. They just kept giving each other crap. Yeah. And-, and, um, when you could find that, um, which we did in Pat, um, then all the other stuff just worked seamlessly. You know, and so we, we, we blocked her, um, in a day and a half and put her in front of the audience and she was fine. And then we had two or three other previews before we actually shot the show. So gotcha. by the time we shot it, she was, um, she was really comfortable.
1: It's a testament to her acting ability. She's just phenomenal right out the gate. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah,
2: she's total total pro and, and uh, <laughs> fun and, um, you know, had certainly at that time much more of a cachet in, in the business than right. tended. Yeah, because um, yeah, she was so, just coming
1: off of – Manor Pigs. Yeah, and I, I think it was either Matt Williams or Carmen Finestra, maybe both have claimed uh, on occasion or two that they didn't know that Pamela Anderson was a Playboy model going into the show uh, and that there was audience blowback about her casting. I'm wondering if that played <laughs> into... Um...
2: We were happy with the casting. Yeah, I mean, she's fantastic.
1: Uh, I'm wondering if that yeah. if the audience blowback at all... Uh... I
2: don't know what that, I'm not sure what you're talking about. It's possible mm. that Matt... Um, Initially didn't know about it. I mean, because we, uh, she, pa, uh, Pam was one of the last people we cast. It was mm-hmm. hard to find that character, but um, I guarantee you, by the time we were up and running, they knew who she was. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm. Mean, I i do not know what the audience blowback would be. I mean, she was. Uh, she
1: did what we wanted her to do. <laughs> I was just wondering if that uh, contributed to like her character being downplayed a little bit. Uh, but no, like... I
2: mean it was never supposed. I mean, it. I, I think the there certainly was blowback from Pam that she wasn't doing
1: enough. <laughs> sure, yeah.
2: Um, you know, I mean, and seriously, I mean, she she wanted to, uh, and and eventually she did. She wanted to sort of have more of a role in what we were doing, but that character. Was kind of eye candy,
1: right?
2: I mean, when we when it was conceived, um, although Debbie Dunning, who came into it, you know, developed that character a little bit more, but it was never. She was a a background player of uh, uh, in a in a world, the tool time world that wasn't necessarily where the show was. The right. show was the family, so. Um, the fact that she didn't have a lot to do or enough to do i think was certainly contributed to her saying you know i don't want to do this anymore i want to go on and she went right into baywatch shortly after that so she was fine yeah <laughs> yeah <Okay. laughs> and then debbie came on and debbie actually you probably know this since you're avid watchers but debbie was in um, an episode where she played yes. a woman with a funny last name and, yeah. Tim and- we were out having dinner um, and we everybody liked her so much from that that they just said well listen let's just offer her the role she does
1: have such a charismatic presence the second she's on screen totally yeah. totally I mean
2: yeah. as did Pam I mean yeah everyone, right I mean, you know people looked at her and, and, and it was you know it was men are pigs yeah okay that's sort of where that is <laughs> you know, that's what that's who we wanted that's who that character wanted on his TV show right um, right to uh, generate interest, and so, sure.
1: um, so you've you've worked with Tim Allen both in television and then in movies and then back to television again. It's just it's just never ending. Yeah. Never ending. <laughs> um, so you know you you've also directed uh, a fair amount of Last Man Standing uh, when that was on the air, um, and now that they're talking about these possible reboots, what you know, uh, kind of walk us through this trajectory and what you see as kind of a possible reboot scenario and.
2: Uh, well, there's no, I mean, the reboot scenario for last man is a slightly more viable one right now than I think for home improvement. Mm-hmm. Although I know Tim has talked to, um, Bob Iger, the ABC guy this mm-hmm. uh, Disney guy about home improvement. And I think certainly with, uh, with the success of, uh, the Roseanne reboot and, and, um, Will and Grace reboot, and my Full friend house, Diane, and yeah. my friend Diane English is rebooting uh, the Candace Bergen show. Right, uh, yeah,
1: Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown.
2: Brown. Um, there is a there is an appetite for it. Um, unfortunately, probably because new stuff doesn't you know doesn't seem to last long enough for, to develop an audience. So
1: yeah, what's the the like. difference there between the broadcast and streaming stuff
2: i don't know it's just well i mean the whole that whole world has changed you know from the time where where there were three networks to the time now (laughs) where there were just so many options yeah yeah and delayed gratification and you know people can you know stream it and not watch it when it's supposed to be on so the the whole marketing of these shows has changed does it Um, change your
1: approach at all to to the material i don't think so um
2: no, I mean, it's still trying to get actors to be real and funny at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that is the most important thing. That's that, that's the job. Yeah, right? right? Uh, um,
2: is, yeah, so I mean, as far as um, Last Man, I, there's an online presence of people who, who are lobbying for it. Um, I've never been a believer, particularly in the fact that that show was canceled because of political reasons. Mm-hmm. I just I think that... There was a new um, administration at ABC, uh, and they were, you know, every time someone new comes in, anything yeah. that, or, that has been created or developed by their predecessors is already suspe- suspect. Yeah, so, they got to
1: make a name for themselves. and yeah, different kind, kind of, of politics.
2: Kind of. Um, so I don't know um, if that if the sort of conservative political issues were mm-hmm. were re- the reason, but um, they never. It's always it'll always come back to finance. Yeah. And I think at, at a at a certain point, um, Fox, who was the, the producer of the show, um, was no longer going to be the producer of the show, which meant that ABC had to had to have the burden of paying for the entire show. Mm. So that's a sort of contributing factor to what was going on. Um, felt that. Um, it was too soon that there still were stories to tell with that family. And, yeah. and they all like working with each other, which was, uh, you know, after six years was um, a testament to how well they worked together. A uh, whole improvement. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I know that they talk about it. Tim talks about it. I know that Pat talks about it as well. Um, it's interesting. I think the boys would have a harder time, you know, Yeah, absolutely. back and JTT and Taryn back. Yeah, that's um, got
1: to be difficult to, to revisit your entire retired Earl, childhood. Sadly, yeah. Earl,
2: sadly is no longer with us.
1: Right. How do you do homecoming Dick, home C- that Dick
2: home Karn home. was on Last Man Standing, so... I'm, right. I mean,
1: well, and so was uh, JTT. He directed a few episodes. So was JTT, and, and so was Pat. Yeah, right. Um,
2: they all were, so it was, uh, we're just recycling. You know, <laughs> there's, there's just nothing new. It's good for the uh, environment.
1: <laughs> well, so speaking on Last Man Standing and, and the new Roseanne reboot, which you directed the first... Uh, two episodes of and uh, I'm assuming you're the EP on it Um, is there like uh, in terms of politics like um, how you approach material that you might have differing uh, views on or like what's the importance of like creating content for middle America which I feel has been kind of left behind in the entertainment industry over the last couple decades like what what's your experience with all that
2: well, I think that um, I mean what's been sort of amazing is the, not the blowback, but all of the various opinions that have been registered since last Tuesday mm-hmm. on Roseanne. I mean, both both pro the show and and negative to the show, and I just think that I mean, the scripts pushing a particular political agenda. Her her deal was more how to how to politics. Affect the dynamic of a right. family when you disagree about politics. How does that impact your ability to sort of sustain the the family life? That's really all it was. She has all almost to a person liberal writers on the show. Mm-hmm. The same the same was true with Tim. Um, yeah, and that's I think know, an he, interesting he dynamic. has conservative uh, political beliefs as does Roseanne, but they are also surrounded by. Um, very, very. In some cases, very, very liberal uh, writers and uh, and producers. So there's a, a in both of these shows, there's a pretty healthy dynamic between um, political points of view. But uh, but our job really is to entertain mm-hmm. and be truthful to the characters. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As long as the characters are acting in ways that you you know that you understand, you can either accept their points of view or not. But you will get not only in in Last Man, but in Roseanne, you will get a balanced opinion, both pro and con, for pretty much anything that
1: happens to those people.
2: And I think that's pretty relatable to any
1: family, too. I'm sorry? I said, I think that's pretty relatable to any family, too,
2: right? Yeah, I mean, in the end, it's your family. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're either going to choose to live with them and either look the other Way or confront them or, or whatever, and right. both you know both of those attitudes um, obtain in these shows. That there are some people who are look at um, Sarah Gilbert's character right. extremely confrontational in terms of political stuff, but the but the show is not political in that sense. And and I don't know that I mean people say it's this is the reboot was because we wanted um, to reach the Trump people. There are a lot of people who yeah. voted
1: for Hillary. Who I think are, that's over that, an oversimplification of it.
2: It's totally, and it's, and it's you know, what happened, what's happening now is that everybody has a platform for their opinion. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Yeah. 11-year-olds. <laughs> um, so, you know, you just get this tsunami of, of political uh, opinion coming from all sides, some of it phony, some of it real, but that's not our job. Right. Our job is to make people laugh, maybe make them think. And, and, and do thought provoking stuff that people then can go home and say, okay, what do you think? And people <laughs> talk about it. And that's what's happening. I mean, people certainly are talking about it and certainly would if, if Tim came back. Yeah. But I, we can't, as artists, sort of think about that stuff. We sure. have to think sure. about the line of the character. Um, and are they interesting? And are they um, compelling? And are they funny? And are we being entertained at the same time? And if all of those things happen, we've done our job, and then the rest of it is up for people to talk about it however they want to. Absolutely. I, I, I got to tell you, it's been really enjoyable seeing your frozen place. Oh, my <laughs> oh we've been frozen this whole time. Oh I my god! Actually,
0: hang on, I should actually take a picture of this. One. Oh god, good, good, good. <laughs> and I will oh send it to you. All right. Yeah, good. this is great. Uh, this is great. On, we'll get to know how we. Eat. A little selfie here. I will, I, right,
2: I will send that along to you, um, so you can see what I've been seeing for the last. Half.
1: I I know someone specifically that will rake me over the coals if I don't ask you a Santa Claus question. So, okay. um, and just as a, a personal aside, I think I'd mentioned that uh, one of my earliest movie going childhood memories was going to see the premiere of the Santa Claus at the Fox Theater in Detroit. Um, I was there. You were there. Oh wow! Look was, at that. Yeah, cross paths there. in the past. Um, yeah. so I, there've been some, you know, internet is filled with all kinds of casting rumors and things, but, uh, it's been said that Mel uh, Gibson and Tom Hanks were both, uh, considered for the role that Tim Allen eventually took. I'm just wondering, is it, was it serendipitous or planned, uh, once you came on that, uh, Tim was uh, put into the role there?
2: No, um, just exactly the opposite. Although those guys were both considered, um, uh, at that point it was, a script that was at Disney and Jeff Katzenberg was, um, running the production part of Disney at that time. And they looked, I mean, the Tim showed me the script, um, maybe two years before they actually got the green light. And I looked at it and I said, you know, I don't know that I want to do this, but I was, I wanted to do movies, but I hadn't really found one that I was sort of compelled to do. And, um, so I passed. Oh, wow. and, and then they went around to, I mean, I think they might've gone to Tom Selleck at one point and they went to the other people, some other people. And he came back to me about a year and a half later and said, look at this again and, and let me know. Cause I think we may be fairly close to doing it. And I looked at it again and I said, well, I'll give it to my wife. My wife is Joe Beth Williams. Yes. She's another integral
1: part of my childhood.
2: <laughs> there you go. Poltergeist. Yeah. Scared Big Phil is one of my favorites. Um, So she read this and she said, you will be, this is going to be a classic. You will be crazy if you don't do it. Um, Smart. Okay. And I think a lot of it was because I was nervous about doing a film. I'd never done one before. And Mm -hmm. and, um, so I agreed to do it. Um, And then they, you know, the people who were producing it, Outlaw Productions, um, at the time were not sure. And Katzenberg said he got them all in the room. He said, okay, well here, they had another guy that they were thinking about and they said, well, we know that, that this other guy will give you a double and Pasquin will either give you a double or he'll hit it out of the park. So who do you want? And they said, well, let's let Pasquin do it, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was, but it was a gamble on their part. Because, sure. But it, also, I think Tim was instrumental in that because he was comfortable working with me and, mm-hmm. We were we were friends, obviously too, um, and he did not want to go into a situation where he had to deal not only with never having done a movie, not only with working with people who had done many movies, but also a director that he didn't know. Um, and I'm so, sure that really
1: contributed to the success of it, being able to kind of experience your first movies together and having that working relationship. And
2: yeah, but I mean, you know, but even even. After the movie was sort of up and developed and, and we had shot it and it was, we were previewing it, you know, we were all nervous. And then they said, okay, we're going to open this on, I think it was November 17th. I said, Jesus, this will be the first Santa Claus movie that's out of the theaters before Christmas. <laughs> uh, and fortunately, that was not the case. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we were nervous about it because, um, and then you look at the movie and even you look at the movie today, I think the movie holds up, there's a certain naivete. About certainly the special effects because we couldn't. This was like a you know maybe a fifteen million dollar movie, and so we did not have a lot of money to sort of do kind of um, cutting edge stuff. But we you know we did what we could do. But the but the naivete of the movie actually worked in its favor. Because it was you were you were sort of forgiving it because it was sort of low rent. Um, sure, I actually was.
1: think the special effects hold up better than some of the stuff around uh, two thousand one, two thousand two.
2: Well, you know, you're you're a fan
1: too. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe you're at the premiere. You're biased. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are. <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, I just want to thank you once again yeah, so much welcome. for yes. this for your time. Um, yeah, please um,
2: do, and good luck with good luck with your podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> thank you guys alright thank, thank you really Bass appreciate wind. it thanks you have you a bye great
1: bye. day see ya you too
0: Gee whiz, how about that interview, huh? I'm sorry, there's no really good way to address the fact that we, like, you know, we didn't just listen to it with you, but we know how it ended. How great was that, right? Uh, I don't know
1: how it ended, because you have uh, yet to edit it. Uh, True, true. That's also part of the (laughs) challenge. So, yeah, this is a a guessing game for us all. I've boxed myself into a corner with
0: how I uh, started this outro. (laughs) But, again, so many thanks to John Pasquin for taking the time to talk with us and just to be so good to just a couple dorks of the podcast. really
1: charming guy. I uh, couldn't have better things to say about him. Uh, Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, If you want more information on John Pasquin, on this interview, on our entire show, you can find all of this on our website, which is (laughs) www.gruntworkpodcast.com. There you can sign up for our newsletter, uh, which is where you can get notified of new episodes and exclusive content like uh, this episode. Uh, and get caught up on everything that we're doing, all the other um, interviews that we do. Yes. <laughs> that people are interviewing us. It's a weird world we live in. I know. I mean, it's it's bound to happen sooner or later. <laughs> uh, and if you enjoy this show uh, and want us to keep being able to get uh, these... Rare interviews. If you want us to go into the archaeology sites and <laughs> chip off a rock and dust off a little ruby of a gem of an interview for you, <laughs> ruby of a gem of an interview. <laughs> I'm
0: nothing well, if not a wordsmith. And, and you look closely at it, and they've they've etched into it the production history of season
1: four of Home Improvement. <laughs> it belongs in a museum. Um, you can uh, really help us out by supporting the show by uh, sharing every episode, uh, giving us an iTunes rating. Doing all number of things, uh, and remember, every time that you do one of these things to support us
0: in the show, uh, we'll bring you along with us when we try to gatecrash Tim Allen's Christmas party.
1: <laughs> uh, you can also follow us on all the various social media places, which is at GruntWorkPod. And with that, for John Pasquin, I've been Landon Solano, I've been Truman Caps, and this has been the- Pasquin Work. Yes. What do you think? Should we put John Pasquin in the
0: middle?